Welcome to those of you who are joining online. We're glad you're here today. Welcome to our balcony dwellers and welcome to those of you who are on the main floor. Uh, we have no housekeeping really this morning. We'll jump into the text. If you're, if you're here with a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. This is the second of three weeks Pastor Farrell kicked off the series last Sunday called Magnified Life. We're taking an in-depth look at a fictitious story. It is found in the 25th chapter of Matthew's biography. It's called The Parable of the Talents. In some translation, in the translation that uh, you will see perhaps on the screen behind me this morning, It's the parable of bags of gold. I don't know if you've noticed, but in our culture today, we applaud things like success and wealth and posterity. We want our lives to live long after we die. So we put names on buildings and we carve bronze sculptures and we do these kinds of things. And none of that is bad. I don't think in and of itself... um, I suppose it depends on the motive of the human heart. I suppose it depends on what one considers, uh, you know, in, in terms of achieving such ends. I will tell you this, what I know to be true is that our Father in heaven cares about faithfulness. Far more than success, far more than posterity, far more than renown, God cares what's happening on the inside of the human heart, not what's on the outside. In fact, I was reminded preparing for this uh, Sunday about a story in 1 Samuel 16. You may recall the Lord revealing to Samuel the priest that Saul's reign as king is effectively over. It's coming to an end, not because of old age, not because... uh, Saul had been wounded in battle, not because he was ill, but because the hound of heaven had dumped him effectively. God had decided this is over. He'd simply had enough of Saul's leadership. And so the Lord said in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I, Samuel, have rejected him as king over Israel. It was God's rejection that mattered. God knew uh, that he was over uh, much of the known world at the time. God knew that he had a ton of money. God knew that his name would live on for many, many years. And yet God, who is no respecter of persons, said, I've had enough of this. So I'm going to get my man in there. And God reveals to Samuel that Saul's successor is one of Jesse's sons and the oldest, Eliab, is paraded before Samuel first. And here's this sharp, handsome dude. He's north of six feet tall. He's ripped. He's wearing nice threads. And Samuel does foolishly, even in the seat of a pastorate, effectively, what a lot of us do when we meet someone for the first time, when we're sizing someone up, when we're evaluating someone's candidacy for friendship, 
when we're looking through pictorial job resumes at work, when we're flipping through, hello, online dating profiles. Now by we, I don't mean me. But we do this, right? We even do. We're judging by mere outward appearance. This is what Samuel did. Samuel forms a judgment in his heart exclusively based on what Eliab looks like. The text says when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Surely the Lord's anointed Surely this guy's going to be good at sales. His haircut is high and tight. His suit is fresh out of the cleaners. Surely he's going to do a good job for us. Surely this dude's going to make a good husband. I mean, he's, he looks like Ryan Reynolds. His, his teeth are white as a tulip. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not... Consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Church family, God has asked not a single one of us to be famous. God has asked us to be faithful. When the roll is called up yonder, as the old hymn says, when the trumpet sounds, when the sky rolls back as though it's a scroll, and when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, God will place no value, frankly, on how many digital friends we have. God will not care about the vanity of our followership. What God will be weighing is whether or not we have done what God asked us to do. And what have you done with that which he has given you? God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for compliance with his spirit. Are you acquiescing today to the spirit of God? Are you deferring to the third person in the Trinity? Are you yielding to the Spirit? Is there deference there between you and the lesser known member of the triune God? Have you been agreeable with his Spirit lately? 2 Chronicles 16.9 tells us the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, his Spirit, roams the earth looking to strengthen those who are faithful to him, who are committed to him. How many of you would say, I could use some strengthening today? I could use some strengthening. How are we strengthened? How do we welcome the locked down eyes of the hound of heaven? By faithfulness. By being obedient to the Lord. How many of you would say today, pick me up today, Lord, I need it. I'm ready. I'm willing. Tell me what to do. I'll be obedient. 
Let's just pray that right now. Lord, before we get into your word today, outside of an introduction, as you have your head on a swivel, just looking, just roaming the earth, Lord, I just pray that you would scope us out, that we would be found in your sight as willing vessels for you. Lord, inhabit us, use us. Lord, allow us to do without protest on our lips what you have asked of us. And in doing so, Lord, bolster us, boost us. In Jesus' name, amen. I suppose we better get to a main point or two. Last week, Pastor Farrell kicked off the series. He shared with us a parable, a fictitious story. I won't read it to you, but I will quickly recap it for you. There's three servants. There is a master. The master gives each of them bags of gold. To the first guy, he gives five bags. To the second guy, he gives two bags. And to the third guy, he entrusts one bag. He's giving them, the scripture says, he's entrusting to them his personal wealth. Now, for modernity's sake, for a contemporary tie-in, here's what I've come up with, and I'm not sure that this metaphor, you know, fits perfectly, but, but here's the way I'll put it. He's a wealth creator. The master is a personal investor. Uh, think of the servants as financial advisors. We'll give them names for fun. We'll call the three guys T-Row and Vanguard, Van for short, and Edward Jones, okay? That's what we'll call these guys for the purpose of an illustration. T-Row Price gets five bags of gold. Vanguard gets two bags of gold. Edward Jones gets one bag. Those are in no particular order, so don't take it personally if you work for Edward Jones. (laughs) You will lose in today's message, but I'm not saying that you're losing in life, okay? So understand this is for illustrative purposes only. And to each of the advisors, the wealth creator, the text says, gives according to the advisor's ability, meaning T. Rowe, who he gave the most to, had the most accounts under his management. He had a higher client retention rate. He had more stars on Google. He had been in the business more years than the other two guys. So the personal investor gives him five bags, which is the lion's share of his wealth. Van was in the middle of the pack of three. He was pretty much on par with T. Rowe's data points, except he had made a mistake or two with regulatory compliance. Just, just work with me here, okay? I'm just trying my best. And so the wealth creator only gave him two bags. Finally, Edward, who went by E.J., He just didn't have his stuff together. His office was unkempt. His bow tie kind of leaned to one side. His mustache had squirrelies going everywhere. He just didn't look trustworthy. Hadn't been trimmed in weeks, so he gives him one bag of gold. And the wealth creator tells the guys, I'm going away. Create wealth for me while I'm gone. Okay? This is your job. 
So when the wealth creator returns, Tiro had turned five bags into 10 by way of a solo stock. Vanguard had turned two bags into four by way of diversifying in mutual funds. But EJ, he invested in a low yield savings account and the interest he gained was offset by a fee. (laughs) By a fee because he didn't have a high enough balance in his account. He hadn't read the brochure properly. So here's what's cool about this story. The wealth creator returns, Tiro and Vanguard inform him that they've doubled his investment. Tiro gives back 10 bags, Vanguard gives him back four bags, not two, and this is what the wealth creator says to each of them. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. You've been faithful with a few things, and now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Notice that the master didn't echo the math back to them. He mentioned nothing of numbers, of doubling, or a match, or a 100% increase. What he recognizes in the two men, what he applauds, is their faithfulness. That's what he celebrates, their steadfastness, their loyalty to him. Church family, this would be in your worship guide as point number one, God both desires and blesses our faithfulness. He desires it and he blesses it. Psalm 106 point, or rather 101.6, my eyes will be on the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. Isn't that an incredible thought that we fallen people if we're faithful, we'll get to minister to God. We think about ministering to each other. Just imagine ministering to the creator of the universe. Man, that's going to be an awesome day. So if you want to dwell with the Lord, the one who owns cattle on a thousand hills, be faithful to him. Be loyal to him. Be committed to him. Be unwavering in your tie to him. Don't worry about what you will be given in the future. Be faithful with what you have in the now. Make great decisions with what you've already been given. And he will bless you with much. You know, this isn't a series on generosity, but anecdotally, both Shannon and I had the blessing of being raised by Christian parents who loved the Lord and taught us from a very young age to tithe. To tithe, to give back to God 10% of our income. I understand if you have a more refined theological argument, like, well, we don't read about the tithe in the New Testament, we see it in the Old Testament, but I'm telling you, the lesser of two evils is the tithe, because in the New Testament, They shared everything they had. So you pick which one you want to go for. Darn it, I'm going for the tithe. (laughs) We're to be generous. We're to be generous. Jesus said, though, in all seriousness, don't let the former things go undone either. 
So Shan and I were raised to participate in tithing. My dad, when I was young, shared with me that a plumber once came over to remove and install a new hot water heater. Their water head ceased to be hot. They couldn't shower. He called a plumber. The guy came over. As the guy is pulling out the old hot water heater, it literally falls apart in the plumber's hands into several chunks of rust. He has to put the pieces in a bag to carry them out the door, installs the new water heater, and then my dad sits me down and tells me, son, I want you to understand something. Your mother and I have always tithed. We can't explain it, but God does so much more with our 90% than we could do by ourselves with our 100%. I don't know how to explain it to you, son, but our appliances have lasted longer. This has been in the house for 22 years. Our cars perform well. It's just the Lord just has blessed us. We've made plenty of mistakes in life, but the tithe is just not something that we've ever been tempted to withhold from God. Shan and I are more alarmed at the idea of not tithing than we are tithing. We're scared to death not to tithe. She asked me, did you tithe? Did you tithe? Did you? I said, yes, honey, I tithe. Why? Why would we do such a worldly, in, in the eyes of the world, a foolish thing? Because we want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants. It's not about being rewarded in this life. It's about the next one. We desire to enter into the joy of our master. So our church in Wisconsin was trying to get into a, a new building. Shan and I knew, we sensed that God's timing was drawing to a close for us there. We wanted to continue through a fundraising journey getting into a new building. We were in a lease. We felt like if we could get into a brand new building and make sure the church could sustain a mortgage, that we could get a sharp young couple to come in and want to be there and carry our church into the next phase of its life. And so we wanted to lead our congregation well so that our people would respond boldly and sacrificially to the mission of Jesus in that particular community. So we pressed into God, and this is what we felt like we heard God say to us at the outset of the capital campaign. We felt like God said, give a third of your income away for the next two years, back to back. And we did so, and it was a tremendous season of sacrifice for us. But we thought, Lord, if we say yes, this just may catalyze a congregation to be open-handed and get behind this. And when we shared with our church family what we believed that God was asking the Burris family to do, the mission started catching on with contagion and kids started selling bracelets to fund a building and a teenager sold his gaming system and we used our church property to sell pumpkins. Now I know pumpkin sales don't add up to a whole lot. 
But the point is that everybody started participating. And before you knew it, the adults started getting on board and local churches started getting on board. We received $25,000 from an area church. And then this particular couple, who I will remember for the rest of my life, was about to do a renovation on their home, which utterly needed it. They had bats living in their attic. And they said, we would rather be a part of the bold initiative to see our grandkids come to know Jesus and continue to live with bats in our attic than we would upfit our home. And for two years, they put off the project so they could participate. By God's grace, we raised corporately $2 million to put a building in Stratford, Wisconsin, population 1,600. I am not telling you this to pat myself on the back. In fact, that whole journey still kind of gives me nightmares occasionally. Um, My intent is to communicate that Shannon and I have discovered that living generously is a better way to live, bar none. Full stop. God desires your faithfulness, and he will bless your faithfulness. Proverbs 20, 28 says, A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. So what are you doing with the resources that God has gifted you with? Are you about the busyness of increasing a standard of living? Or are you about the business of increasing your standard of giving? Of open-handedness? Of open-heartedness? Second point, God rewards faithfulness today with great opportunity tomorrow. God rewards faithfulness today with greater opportunity tomorrow. You may have heard the story of the uh, ornery college student who stressed all semester long expecting a notorious final exam in ornithology, which is the study of birds. Any bird watchers in the room? Not a single one, apparently. No? Okay. One? (laughs) You are bold, sister. That is awesome. Unashamed. So he's about to take his final in ornithology class. He studies all week. He pulls this all-nighter. He's quite disappointed because when he walks into the classroom, instead of it being multiple choice like all the other exams had been, instead of there being a few essay-based questions, there were no test materials at all, and there was a single projection screen on the wall behind him, and on the screen were 25 pictures that were numbered and rotating. And the professor says... Your final exam, I know you've studied all night. I know you've probably studied exhaustively. You've taken the whole semester into account, but it's very pinpointed. It's very linear. Your final exam is to identify every species of bird by only their feet. And all of a sudden, pictures of feet, numbered pictures of feet just start recycling 
on the string. And this student immediately is livid and protests and throws his hands up and says, you're insane. This isn't fair to us. We've worked and worked all semester long. And the professor says, tough luck, buddy. This is the final. The student says, I won't do it. Manager, where's the dean? He starts collecting his belongings. He goes to exit the room. The professor says, just mind, mind you that if you walk out, you failed the final. The boy said, go ahead, fail me. And the professor says, in order for me to fail you, big class, I need to know your name. And the boy thinks about it for a minute and he says, why don't you guess, professor? Guess my name, buckaroo. <laughs> Using only my feet. You tell me, professor. Church family, not all tests are easy. Serving with already busy schedules isn't easy. Generosity during steep inflation isn't easy. But you know what? God will reward your faithfulness today with greater opportunity tomorrow. I just want to be found faithful. Luke 16, 10 through 11 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That is to say, that is to say, if you can't be trusted with wealth on earth, who will trust you with wealth in heaven? See, we often read that passage and we think, oh, I get it. If I'm faithful with the little things on earth, God will make me ruler over much on earth. That's not what was being promised. If you're faithful in the little things on earth, God will make you ruler over his creation with him in the new heaven and in the new earth. We had older gentlemen walk into our church once and say, Pastor, I don't have any money, but here's what I have. I have time. I have the next two weeks on vacation. Can I just serve at the church as much as you need? This was the, this was the age-old practice of when you show up and you forget your wallet at dinner, what do you offer to do? You offer to wash dishes, Right? This guy just walked into the church and offered to wash dishes. Whatever you need, pastor, I just, I just want to work a few. If God's eyes are roaming, looking for faithfulness, he got God's attention. Number three, faithfulness positions you for eternal reward. Faithfulness positions you for eternal reward. You know, some of the most inviting and exhilarating words in all the Bible come from the lips of the wealth creator in the story of the giver. The giver is God. You've made that connection. The 
investment firms are us. We are the stewards. Listen to what the giver says in verses 21 and 23. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter in. Here they are. Enter into the joy of your master. Notice that the master tells us to enter into his joy before he has set us over much. Okay? I will set you over much. He he didn't say, I just set you over much. He said, I will set you over much. Therefore, enter into the joy of your master. Jesus was not communicating, be faithful over a little in this life. I'll set you over much in this life. He's saying, be faithful over a little in this life. I'll set you over much in the next life. This life is one big ornithology test. For the life that is to come. Don't fail it. Don't fail it. Francis Chan uh, told an illustration that I just love. He, he said, imagine, and I'll ask you to imagine in this room, a thread running from the back wall to between the double doors. If you're on the balcony, you can imagine it kind of going over your head. If you're at home, you're likely not in a big room. Just work with me and imagine a big gymnasium, a big sanctuary, and a thread running from front to back or side to side. And then on that thread, which is quite long, hangs a single human hair. A single strand of hair. Francis Chan made the point that our life on this earth isn't the thread, it's the hair. It's the hair, and yet yet we cling to that hair, and we caress that hair, and we cuddle up to that hair, and we overvalue that hair, and we place all the emphasis on that hair. And he says, you've got to broaden your perspective. We're talking about eternity. I just want to be found faithful because eternity is a heck of a lot longer than my, on average, 82 years on this earth. So be faithful to him now. If you're faithful to him in your marriage now, if you're faithful to him in your family now, if you're faithful in your job now, you're not fudging numbers. He will prepare you to rule with him over all creation. And don't be disappointed in heart that you may not receive the reward of your faithfulness in this life. I don't know that Shannon and I will ever see that money come back to us in this life. Here's what I know. We're going to get the biggest bump that we have ever received when we cross into glory and see the king of all kings. It's going to be magnificent. It's going to be otherworldly. And everything else is going to pale in comparison. There will be so many in this life who have had so much and in this life stewarded it poorly and they will be, imagine this, borrowing sugar from others who have had less in this life but were faithful with it. Don't be that person. Let the eyes of the Lord rest on you. Psalm 84, I'll close with verse 10. 
Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We love that verse. We stop there. He goes on to say, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. There will be people of means on earth who will be without in eternity. There will be people without on earth who will be wealthy in eternity. Why? Because they were faithful. When you leave here today, in fact, a group of very faithful people, a group of unpaid people, a group of devoted people, they'll come behind you and they'll pick up the worship guides that you forgot to throw away and they'll pick up the communion cups that you forgot to throw away and they'll pick up the Yeti mug that you left on your pew and they'll take that to lost and found. Here's what I know. They'll largely go unseen. They'll largely go unnoticed. But they're not going unnoticed by the Father because his eyes roam the earth. And one day, he'll say, enter into my joy, sweetheart. Enter into my joy, single mother. Enter into my joy, you who were tempted to betray your spouse and yet remained faithful Enter into my joy, you who have a thankless job, who are never appreciated, and continue to show up and serve with honor. Enter into my joy, you who didn't take advantage of your employer's time. So here's three takeaways quickly. One, be faithful where you are in whatever season you find yourself. It's in your worship guide. Be faithful where you are in whatever season you find yourself. Two, no assignment is insignificant to God. No assignment. You can be the king of the whole thing and you will not impress God any more than the individual who quietly takes out the trash. Nothing is insignificant to God. Thirdly, be faithful in the little things. Being faithful in the little things is a big thing. This is the way Mark Batterson put it. If you do little things like they are big things, God will do big things like they are little things. I'll say it one more time and I'll close in prayer. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. Will you bow your head with me today? Heavenly Father, we want to see you do big things. Lord, we want to say you save and set free and fill with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to see you redeem not only the next generation, but the next and the next and the next. Lord, we want to see our kids and our grandkids serving you with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their strength. I just pray, Father, that you would help us to remain faithful. God, I pray that you would just sear on our consciences the areas of our lives this morning where faithfulness is teetering, where faithfulness is wobbly, where faithfulness is is not strong. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would bring strength to those that your eyes land upon as they roam the earth. Lord, help us today, Holy Spirit, to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you're, uh, you're heading out, I want to remind you that there will be some folks down here who would love to pray with you. If you have never given your life to Jesus, they will take it from there. All you got to tell them is, I would like to become a Christian today. I'd like to follow Christ. Um, they'd love to, to tell you more about what that means to get you attached to some people that will love you, serve you, care about you, help you walk in Christ-likeness. Uh, also, there are folks who are coming who will serve you in communion. If that is on your heart this morning, come down, receive the elements. Otherwise, I'd like to ask you to stand, and we're going to dismiss you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.